So welcome to the July 4th party brought to you by the Los Angeles Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. And like I said, my name is Ore. I'm a compulsive overeater and uh, especially this chair for the Los Angeles Intergroup. And uh, welcome everybody. Uh, the speaker, just a heads up, the speaker of uh, the speaker portion of this event is being recorded for the LAIG uh, Virtual Speakers Bureau. That's where we have all our podcasts and will be available at the oalaig.org within the week. Uh, so those so those recordings will be available. Uh, Katie just posted that in the chat. So make sure to take down that information because I'll always get a bunch of questions about are the recordings going to be available? And yes, they will. So let's take a minute. To, uh, let's unmute ourselves and uh, whoever wishes to join me in the serenity prayer. So. I'll give you a moment to unmute yourself if you want to participate, you want to join in. So, God. Awesome. So, so just a little Zoom etiquette. We ask that you wear meeting appropriate attire. Yeah, we're talking to you. We're talking to you, Lewis. Meeting appropriate attire. <laughs> Avoid cooking, eating, or using the restroom on camera. Oh, who's using the restroom on camera? Yes, there was a guy who actually did that. That's why we have it in the format. Additionally, please remain muted unless you've been selected to share. Be cautious if you're on the mic or not, because we've heard some things, you know, that didn't need it to be said. <laughs> Chat will be disabled during the meeting to limit crosstalk. However, you can message hosts if needed. Chat will be enabled at the conclusion of our meeting so that members can share phone numbers and other information. So the theme of this event um, is inspired by the following quote from page 36 in the AA 12 and 12. And Katie is going to post that quote uh, for us. She's going to screen share that. So the more we become willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. Therefore, dependence, as AA practices it, is really a means of gaining true independence of the spirit. And that is, uh, like I said, from page 36 in the AA 12 and 12. Thank you, Katie. So each of our four speakers will share for 15 minutes on how they're experiencing or how they've experienced spiritual liberation as a result of developing a relationship with a higher power. And as a heads up, you should know this event has a non-traditional format. We will have our first two speakers followed by an intermission I've entitled Party Time. I'm really excited about this. It's gonna require group participation. It's, it's gonna, like, this is where we get to bring the party to the July 4th party. And I hope, uh, I hope you all enjoy it. And uh, that's going to be facilitated by Amy, Amy B. And uh, we will then resume after that intermission, after party time, we'll resume with our final two speakers and close out with shares from our members. So we're going to get this party started. Our first speaker is Kia C. And Kia, how would you like your time? I would like my time to be um, five, the first five minutes and then one minute left. And I'm Kia M. Oh, I'm sorry, Kia M. I'm so sorry, Kia. So Kia M is going to share for 15 minutes. Kelly, do you have that? Good to go. Good to go. Okay, Kia, take it away. 
Okay, uh, good, good morning to you guys. I'm on the East Coast, so good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Kia, I'm a compulsive eater. I'm so happy to be here for you guys. Uh, to qualify uh, fairly briefly, uh, I have been in program since December of 2001. Uh, I have lost and maintained about 150 pound weight loss through my time in the program. Uh, I will be honest, I was asked whether or not I had pictures of you know my heavier days and I just, I, I have no pictures uh, and I hate that. I think that there was one picture I had and then it disappeared throughout the time I've been speaking. Uh, the reason I have so few pictures is because when I was at my heaviest, I refused to be photographed. I refused to be videotaped. So there is very, there are very few records of myself at that weight. And I, I feel some sadness about that now as I do speaking from time to time and am not able to share, you know, what it used to be like. In any event, um, I found program when I was in my early 20s. I was in graduate school. You know, I had the history that many of us have as far as, you know, I was a heavy child, um, heavy adolescent. And, you know, at various times I had lost weight, gained weight, thought I was always heavier than what I actually was. When I got to college, my eating disorder just absolutely blew through the roof because I didn't have any parental controls. There was no one there to make sure that I was doing what it was that I was supposed to be doing. So I just took what little money I had and spent it on all types of junk and crap. And instead of the freshman 15, I gained the freshman 45. So, you know, I'm, you know, in the 220s, my first year of college, and then it just got worse and worse. And when I'm in graduate school, it occurs to me, you know, that maybe other people are not sitting up and, you know, eating whole pizzas or, you know, that are, you know, going and eating fast food, you know, on their way home and then going and eating dinner. You know, it occurs to me that the things that I'm doing with food are pretty abnormal. And so as a result, you know, I started thinking, well, maybe I see a therapist about it. And I went to a therapist who said, you know, the things that you're doing, there are other people who do those things too. And they are Overeaters Anonymous. I think you should try to go to some meetings. And I did. And I felt immediately at home. It was one of those things where I just felt, oh my gosh, there are people that know my story. And even to this day, it doesn't matter where it is that I go in the world when I go to a meeting and I travel a lot. Uh, it doesn't matter where it is that I go, even if I don't know exactly, you know, what your story is, we have the same struggle, we have the same, you know, I don't need to necessarily know the details to know exactly, you know, how it is that we can connect. And so I felt a peace and a fellowship that really, I had nowhere else to go. And so I have, you know, stayed in program through, you know, these 20 years, 20 ish, I guess. Yeah, uh, it'll be 20 in December. And, um, you know, I stayed because I didn't have any other choices. I've stayed through relapses. You know, I can't say that, you know, my time in recovery has been a straight line. There have definitely been some jags. There have been some slips. There have been some times when I was off track, but for the most part, you know, to say that I have been a normal weight for the last, I don't know, 15-ish years, that I can wear the same clothes that I wore seven or eight years ago, um, that is a miracle. That's a miracle of this program. You know, I will say that before, uh, you know, I got into program and probably sometime afterwards, uh, I really had some issues with, um, I'm, I'm hearing somebody. Is somebody not muted? 
okay, sorry. Uh, I, I really had issues with kind of steamrolling through my life. And what I mean when I say steamrolling through, if I wanted something, I, I figured out a way to make it happen. I used the power of my will. I used the power of, you know, just my brains, you know, as, as I could use them. I just used my own steam to get through everything. The bad part about that approach to life is that it can be effective. And so I relied on that a lot. But having said that, yeah, I got a lot of the things that I wanted, but the stress that I encountered when I was relying on myself and not relying on God, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how difficult my life was emotionally, spiritually, when I just was like carrying the burden of having to do everything myself. Just I'm independent. I don't need help. I can do it myself. I got it. I got it. I got it. And really living that way was very, very stressful. So when I think about my relationship with my higher power at this point, you know, it's been a lot of years. And I would say probably the most growth that I've had has been the last two, although I've been working at it since, you know, I got into program. In the beginning, it yeah, was- Yeah, that's your my, first five. Okay, thanks. Uh, in the beginning, um, my relationship with my power was much like a drive-through. You know, I would go to the drive-through uh, speaker and say like, okay, God, I want a house. I want this job. I want this relationship. And then I'm going to the drive-through window and expecting those things to be there when I get there. And it took me a long time to figure out that God doesn't work like that. And at least, you know, the higher power that I serve does not work like that. And so I spend, you know, quite a bit of time cultivating the relationship that I have with my higher power through my spiritual practices, through the use of the tools, through the use of the steps. Um, super quick, at least I'll try to make it super quick. Um, you know, my foundation, I call them my foundation practices because they're this way I start my day. My foundation practices take me about an hour and a half in the morning every single day. Um, now that can be shorter or longer if I've got to get up early or if I have other things to do. But for the most part, this is what it is that I do every day. Um, I start off with meditation. I have uh, the meditations that I, I practice. I have some spiritual texts that I read from. I have, um, you know, in addition to our literature, I have journaling that I do. So I usually will do a page out of my journal, just kind of what's going on with me emotionally. Uh, I spend about 10 minutes talking to God, thinking of everything it is that I can think of to thank him for. And whatever it is that's going on in my life, I'm, I'm just talking to God. And usually I'm talking to God outside um, with my feet on the bare earth, a practice I call earthing. And so it's kind of a way that I get to do earthing where I'm just like connected to the soil. There's a whole like literature on that. So if something that interests you, you can Google it. So I like to, you know, have the sun shining on my face and have the grass on my feet or the sand or rocks or whatever it is, but just be connected to the earth while I talk to God. And then I do affirmative prayers where I just um, am you know, having affirmations that are kind of in place. I have a daily yoga practice and part of it's fitness, but the other part of it is absolutely connecting with myself, connecting to source. And so those are the things that I do on a daily basis to cultivate and maintain my relationship with my higher power. And it's like, once I start my day in that way, um, you know, I'm able, like giving that hour and a half to God every day, allows me to go through the day and not have to steamroll. So I don't have to make a decision and have my day all planned out. I can just roll with things and I don't have to worry is something gonna happen and I can't handle it. There is not a problem that I have that the problem has not already been designed for. 
I just, I remember in my life feeling like, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know how to do that, or this thing, this bad thing is happening, and what am I going to do? How can I deal with it? There has not been a situation I've encountered. I'm 46 years old. There's not been a situation that I've encountered where eventually the solution did not present itself. You know, I have survived 100% of the things that have happened to me in 46 years. So God's track record with me is impeccable. So really, it's about a practice. It's a part of practice of relaxing and releasing in the moments, in the moments where it gets tense, in the moments where it gets tight, and not having to do, okay, well, what it is that I want to do. Okay, God, let's take a breath here. What is it that you want me to do? And being available to listen to that answer. When we are eating compulsively, the channel is completely clogged. When I am in not emotionally sober, when I am not when I'm engaging in anger, fear, resentment, any of the things that would make it very difficult for me to hear my higher power, then I'm relying on myself. And there is no freedom in that at all because when I am running the show, things go sideways. Um, but when I just step back and I'm just like, okay, this is, you know, what do I need to do here? And I'm quiet. That's where my peace is and that's where my freedom is. So uh, I had, in the last year, um, I had a cancer, uh, a liposarcoma. It's a very rare kind of condition. It was a um, football-sized tumor in my right thigh. And as a result of having this football-sized tumor in my right thigh, when they took out the tumor, they also had to take out my quadriceps. So my quadriceps on my right leg are missing. And you wanna talk about having to use the steps because there was, this was a situation where I was completely powerless. I had no control for the first two months after my surgery, I was walking on a walker. I wasn't sure I was gonna walk again. And for the record, the doctor told me that I might've had to have an amputation at the hip, which is not the same as an amputation at the knee because an amputation at the knee, you can get a prosthetic for that amputations at the hip are not so because you have to have something to swing and I wouldn't have had anything to swing. So when I say that this was a major, huge deal and my leg at this point is fairly different looking from the other leg, uh, it was you know probably the most traumatic thing that I've had happen to me in my life. And it's been the program, my spiritual practices and the steps that have really allowed me to get through this. So, you know, I was powerless over this cancer and powerless over the effects that this cancer has had on my life. So I don't have cancer anymore, but now my mobility is challenged. I, I have certain things that make it very difficult for me to get around. Um, you know, there was a time, like when I think about, you know, the insanity and the thoughts that I was having, um, you know, God really restored me to sanity um, as he just kind of said, you know, my life up to this point had actually, you know, been fairly smooth. Um, you know, with the rough edges that, you know, people have, but I mean, this was absolutely the, the, the most difficult challenge that I've had and the thoughts and the different things that, you know, I was the depression. I mean, it was depressing not being able to go to the bathroom without help. Uh, and it was God and the practices of the steps that really allowed me to come back to myself, come back to a place of peace, come back to a center. You know, there were definitely 
times where I, you know, was not happy with my cancer. I mean, I was, you know, I had grievances and I did a lot of fourth steps on, you know, feeling resentful about different things. And there were things that happened. It's, I don't have enough time to get into, um, but doing fourth steps and giving those fourth steps to my sponsor. And, you know, really one of the big character defects that was revealed to me is not being able to ask for help. Um, and so this was a point where I had to rely on people because I could not, I mean, the thing I think I could do is I could feed myself, but that was pretty much it. I mean, everything else I needed help to do, that was just one character defect that, you know, I've had to really work on uh, in this last year. But, you know, through the practice of the steps, I'm able to now, you know, sometimes I need help and, you know, and, and that's what it is that, that I do and I'm able to do it now. I wasn't able to do it as easily and without, with as less stress uh, as I have now. Um, you know, we make amends to people. It's, you know, it's like it keeps your side of the street clean with the situation with the cancer. Um, I don't necessarily have a specific example of having to make amends. And just from having been in program as long as I have, you know, if I do things that aren't right, you know, I'm pretty quick to make amends. It's not even like, it's not effort for me. Like once upon a time it was, but because I don't have to deal with, oh my gosh, I, I hurt this person's feelings or I did these things that, you know, I wish I hadn't done, you know, because I don't have to deal with the mental stuff of that. It allows me to be free. It allows me not to have my channel clogged. It allows me to be having a life, having a life that is free of anxiety and sadness and depression and fear and anger. Those things are bondage. Those things are bondage. And when I'm eating compulsively, I'm in anxiety, I'm in a sadness, I am in depression, I am in anger, I am in fear, I am in all of those things. So it's like really you being, one more minute. thank you. It's like really learning how to live life on life's terms. It's like, okay, these things are gonna happen and either I'm gonna flip out and they're gonna happen and they're gonna get resolved when I've just completely freaked out and destroyed my experience or they're going to happen and I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be centered and I'm going to be able to do what I need to do because I'm not so challenged with all of the other things that are going through my mind and all of the, my inner environment. I'm not challenged by that. I'm just able to live life, enjoy life and be present for the experiences that I'm having and not be stuck in the past or planning the future. So with that, I will close and I thank you so much for allowing me to share my experience, strength and hope. 15 minutes go so much faster than it does like when I was thinking about it. So I hope that you got what you needed from this share and thank you for allowing me to speak. Be of service. Wow, Kia, thank you so much. Like I was hanging on every word. Like I'm sure like many of us, we were glued to your share, you know, and thank you for, you know, showing us how to keep that channel open, unclogging that channel. You know, that, and, and I love that you talked about earthing, getting grounded, and you, you gave us practical examples of how you connect to your power. And what an amazing example of using that power to walk through an incredible experience like, you know, cancer and, um, and almost losing your leg. And still you, you remain steadfast in this practice and your spiritual practice in your program. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. 
we appreciate you. Let's all give Kia some jazz fingers or whatever you got to do to show her some love emojis. Do it all. And our next speaker is Eric Y. This is one of my brothers, you know, from the Valley. Eric, take it away, brother. How do you want your time, by the way? Let's begin with the unmute. Um, uh, I always wonder if I'll make it to 15. The most important thing at five minutes, will you please make sure I'm talking about recovery? If I'm in my recovery, just let it go. But if I'm still talking about what it was like, will you just interrupt and say, and so what happened, okay? If I'm talking about recovery after five minutes, just give me a two minute warning so I can, you know, bring it home. We can move the chains. I can take a time out and I can just bring it in to the end. Okay. We got you, brother. So five minutes, let you know, get back to recovery. Make sure I'm in my recovery. Okay. All right, uh, <laughs> I say that before there are, uh, there are some talks I've given on the LA intergroup. And if you go to the oldest ones, you'll find in a 20 minute talk, I talk about how it was about 18 minutes and then I close with recovery and I'm okay now. Uh, and I've tried as I've been in program longer to get out of that as quickly as I can. My name's Eric. Uh, I used to go by Eric Y. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I am almost, uh, come October, I will have 10 years of continuous abstinence, uh, continuing at maintaining about a 50 pound weight loss. Um, and uh, what it was like, what I'd like to talk today, especially since we're talking about spiritual independence I would love to talk about an early lesson I got before I got recovery and program. I have a friend and I want to hopefully talk a little bit about step 11, who uh, is a Buddhist monk. He was a Thai forest monk. And when I met him years ago in the early 2000s, he used to tell this story about how uh, in Buddhism, they often make fun of the fact that monks follow 228 rules. And he once told me, you know something, Eric, what people don't realize is almost all of those 228 rules are designed to keep me from doing something embarrassing as a monk and to make sure I honor the people who come to honor the, the program I'm in. And once I realized that, I cannot tell you the freedom I felt in the job I chose. And that to me is the lesson that I think it took me a very long time to reach in program. And if I can maybe deliver that message, uh, I'll feel quite successful after following such a great speaker before. Um, I became a compulsive overeater very young. I was basically, we moved when I was in second grade. I'm an introvert. I quickly discovered that I could stay home and watch Mike Douglas as a seven-year-old and eat cinnamon toast until my parents got home. So I very early discovered an addiction. And, uh, you know, the problem I think we have as compulsive overeaters, there's a fellow in the program who often talks about how, you know, my mind just from the earliest age, this was six years old when I started compulsively overeating. Uh, every road in my mind leads me to the food. Every problem I've had in this life, I have ultimately sought the solution of food. And my years of struggle before I got recovery were all about you know, reaching some level of stress where I needed to get out of who I was and I chose food as my substance. And you know, once I would get food together with me, I could escape whatever was going on in my life the problem is after I ate, after I binge, there's the remorse, everything else that goes on like that. Um, I had a significant event happen to my life about uh, over 11 years ago that, that probably brought an end to all my compulsive eating. Uh, uh, I had a sister whom I had raised very much like my own daughter. And about 11 years ago, she was making a cell phone call in her car and had a head-on collision and died. Uh, 
and the person listening to her on the other end of the line had to listen to her die. And it was a very unfortunate thing. And I only ever share that so that at least you can know less than six degrees of separation. That happened to me in my life. It was devastating. And I didn't quite know how I would live. And how I lived was uh, starting within the first month uh, uh, having lived in my disease, trying to get deal with her death. I promised that tomorrow I would turn my life around and every day for about 330 days in a row, I woke up thinking I would put my life together. And by noon, I was planning my binge. And by six o'clock, I was in the food. And by 11 p.m. that night, I was claiming tomorrow would be the next day. And it never came. Uh, finally, uh, towards the end of that year, sitting on my couch one day, I realized, uh, like that great line in the Shawshank Redemption, that I was making a choice and it was either to get on living or just get started dying because I had certainly been killing myself. And when I came back and programmed then, I really was desperate. I, I was willing to do anything because my life was just so unmanageable. And very fortunate to fall in with a bunch of guys who basically told me one thing. They said, Eric, as long as you're willing to accept that you have lost the right to make choices about your food, we will help you in this program. And, and that to me has been one of the great uh, experiences for me. The first sign of my spiritual independence came when I was just able to see the first three steps, if nothing else, as nothing more than I'm powerless over food, comma, my life has become unmanageable. Uh, came to believe in a power greater than myself uh, that could restore me to sanity and then made a decision to turn my will and my life over. And the most basic decision I make in, in Overeaters Anonymous every day is the recognition that yet again today, I should not be made responsible for my food choices, you know? And number two, there are people, there's professionals, there's doctors, there's nutritionists, and there are people in this program that can provide better advice on what I should eat than I can ever come up with on my own. And the third step simply asks me to turn that decision over. Good, we're at the five. Uh, and so my first sort of feeling of spiritual independence comes from me every day when I remake that affirmation in the morning, you know, that God please just for today, you know, uh, remove the urge to binge eat or eat for my own pleasure. Instead, help me to use food simply as medicine to uh, feed my body and nourish my soul so that I might be in service to at least one more person. So to get to my spiritual independence, I'd like to maybe spend the last few minutes talking about how do I use steps 10, 11, and 12 to help me maintain spiritual independence. Because I do think part of the message here is that by clinging to this program, I get far more spiritual independence than I'll ever get by letting go of this program. Uh, the recovery step, step 10, you know, only asks me every night to uh, be honest with another person, you know, take an inventory of my day and see where I've wronged and, and talk with somebody about it and admit it uh, so that hopefully I can learn from it and not do it again the next day. Uh, uh, Difficult, more easily said than done. I think as many of you know, even with me, you know, coming up on 10 years, I'd like to pretend like I was, you know, in some wonderfully great state of mind, but many days I suffer just as much as I did uh, so many years ago in my disease. But step 10 gives me an opportunity to uh, sort of reawaken my commitment to this program every day and with another person, no less. And to the extent I can reach out, that helps also. Uh, step 11, I want to just skip over for a second. I call step 11 the crowbar and the soft pillow of my program's recovery. 
But step 12, you know, asks me to be of service to others. And if I have discovered anything about my spiritual independence and program, the worst place that I can be at any moment of any given day is inside my own head. It's horrible in there. It's the filthiest ride in the amusement park. It's the dirtiest hotel in town. You know, it's an awful place to be. But if I can find a way to be of service to other people, I can find a liberation and a freedom that I never knew in my disease. I'll give you a great example. The, uh, within a month of me first getting recovery again in program, I had to go visit my family. And before I sought recovery in this program, I was very passive aggressive and I had just an endless number of resentments against my family. And I was afraid to go visit my family. And my sponsor said something so simple that I've never forgotten it. As I was stressing over how was I gonna deal with my family? They're gonna wrong me. They're gonna make fun of my abstinence and blah, 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 blah. My sponsor said, hey, here's an idea, Eric. Why don't you just try to be in service to your family? And the irony was, you know, for me in program to think about being of service to people as a compulsive overeater, everything is about me. And step 12 asked me to just take a moment and look outside yourself and see if you can be of service to others. And I have to tell you that trip to visit my family the first month after recovery was one of the most amazing visits of my life because sure enough, as long as I quit thinking about me and started thinking about how I could help people in my family, all of a sudden my family was far more tolerable. I never knew they were so easy to hang around with when I wasn't looking to see what I could get from them. So that's my first sort of experience with uh, spiritual independence. Step 11, I just wanted to say sought through prayer and meditation to seek a closer contact with God as we understand him, seeking only uh, for his will for us and the power to carry that out. To me, I view step 11 as, you know, God's attempt to try and help me make my mind a little better. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is there is prayer and I don't want to take for a moment the prayer that I make to God is very personal and very important to me. But I also feel that step 11 reminds me that sometimes there are things in my mind that are so overpowering, they want to drive me back to the food. And what I've discovered in step 11 is that prayer can be not only a desperate attempt to get God to help me and help me do a solid here, you know, but it also offers mantras. I cannot tell you how many times my mind has been so consumed with anger, resentment, jealousy, all these nasty thoughts in my mind. And just using uh, one of the many prayers we have in program, third step, seventh step, uh, serenity prayer, all of these prayers are prayers that I can repeat to occupy real estate in my mind when the troubles and the stresses and the things that wanna drive me to the food are really coming in with the big RVs and the big trucks and trying to take all the parking space in my mind. Prayer can serve that purpose and it helps me a lot maintain the spiritual independence I need for recovery in this program. The last thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm so glad the first person talked about their meditation is I, I really believe that step 11 and the offer of meditation has been one of the greatest life changers for me in program. And I just wanted to make sure that I took a few moments to talk about that. Uh, <clears throat> I really love it when people talk about how meditation helps them in their recovery. And I really think it's one of the items that in 12 steps sometimes doesn't get the attention it needs. And so I wanted to just spend a few moments and talk about that. Um, I've meditated since I was about 15, and I haven't done it very well for very long. 
Uh, I first learned Transcendental Meditation at 15. Uh, that went hot and cold through much of my life. In my early 30s, I sat with a Tibetan Buddhist group and I chanted and I meditated with them. And I was very lucky about 15 years ago to run into this monk that I referred to who taught me uh, a method of meditation I had never experienced before. And he taught me a method of meditation that is in fact a skill. He said, Eric, this is a skill. If you will practice these 16 steps and practice them well, you will see changes in your life as a result of meditation. And so one of the points I just wanted to share today is, is if you're meditating and you're very bored at the meditation you're doing, I would like to suggest that possibly at the end of today, you Google other meditation techniques and look for meditation techniques because uh, there's nothing wrong with being bored in meditation if your desire in meditation is to learn how to be very comfortable with boredom. I mean, and I mean that sincerely, you know, I'm a compulsive overeater. I want either high drama or low drama. Stuff in the middle really messes me up. You know, boredom does not sit well on me. So there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I also just wanted to share that, you know, for someone like me, who's a, just, I think I have way too many thoughts in my head. Just the idea of learning how to focus and concentrate on my breath has, has sort of changed my experience in the world. Uh, the most important thing it's taught me is that, you know, we live in this society where change is so rapid that we presume everybody has to multitask. And we know study after study tells us multitasking is not something we can do. We only think we can do it. Meditation is the only skill that someone has ever shown me that practices, uh, that provides practice for me in concentration. And when I can learn how to concentrate on something, I can create an experience that's uniquely my own. I can't even describe it to someone else, but it's a good experience and it's a reliable experience. And for someone who has, you know, spent my life with addictions, trying to find a substance that will somehow make my life right and to recognize that any substance, be it food, narcotics, drink, debts, all these other things, all they ever do is provide some temporary solace but I always come back to the problems I left. At least when I can practice meditation to focus on my breath, to learn how to concentrate on one thing such that my mind can open up to a singular focus uh, has provided me an experience that I never thought was available to me. And I just, as I said, if I shared anything today about spiritual independence, I've been very fortunate that my recovery in this program has opened me up to a practice that has even more possibilities to help me in the future. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know how long I've gone. Am I at the end of my 15? You have about a minute left. Oh, good, okay, I missed my two minute warning. So I can just bring it home with that. So if anything today, I, I, I just wanted to share that, you know, uh, by tethering myself to this program, I found greater independence than I could if I had not. I just retired from a career of 30 years uh, this month. And because of help with fellows in this program, I was actually open to the experience of my retirement. People said nice things. And it was my sponsor who about three weeks ago, I'm telling him about something they did at work. And he paused me to say, you know, Eric, it sounds like people like you. And you know, my recovery, I can't imagine that. And so that's another thing. It's just with step 10 to be open to someone to just suggest that, hey, maybe people you like you when that's not something that goes inside this head <laughs> is quite a miracle if nothing else in the recovery. So anyways, thank you for letting me share and, uh, and thank you for inviting me today. 
Thank you, Eric, brother. Brother, I'm glad we're on this path together. You know, and I'm glad that there's, I don't have to follow 228 rules, but (laughs) I agree that there's things that I have to do. And, you know, you talked about that daily affirmation that I can't make the food choices and the simplicity of, that's steps one, two, and three, a practical example of steps one, two, and three manifest right there. You talked about, you did a deep dive into 10 and 11, 12 and how that impacts or how that's afforded you spiritual independence. I love how you dissected that. And you, you know, you talked about how step 12 liberates you from yourself. You talked about using that, using that service as a tool to, for liberation and the power of prayer to quiet the brainstorm. I, I, you know, because I have a technical mind, you know, I, I loved just the technical image of it. Like it, it was like me connecting to that and quieting that storm. And you talked about finding med- finding the meditation that's effective for you. Like you didn't listen to, you know, you, you heard, you know, all these techniques out there, but you found the one that works for you. And, and that's, that's something that's, a, you know, that I, I've incorporated. The one, the meditation that works is the one that you find that is bespoke to your experience. So thank you, brother, for sharing. And right now we're going to take a brief intermission um, and we're going to get into party time. Before we get into party time, we're just going to observe the seven tradition. So the LA Intergroup suggests that you continue to contribute as we still have operating expenses, including rent for the OA office and the subscription costs of this Zoom service. Please go to donate.la. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's bring it back, Ori. I can read. Donate.oalaig.org. Eric talked about that focus. I need to focus <laughs> <laughs> for a direct link to our PayPal account. Any amount is accepted and appreciated. If you are joining us from outside the Los Angeles area, we encourage you to donate to the inner group that supports your local fellowship. We're going to resume with our speakers. And our third speaker, we have Emily from Chi-Town, Chicago. <laughs> Emily, well, how would you like your time, baby? Uh, just when I have five minutes left, Kelly, if you don't mind, just let me know. Um, let me Cool. Let me switch to gallery view so I can see all of you because I have problems concentrating. So just focus on the speaker. Um, Okay. My cheeks hurt. I was smiling so much. Loosen them up. Uh, I am Emily D. Uh, I'm recovered one day at a time and patching in from Chicago as mentioned where our collective hearts are exploding because it's summer and we're reopening and it's what we live for here in the Midwest. Um, And I'm so grateful to be here. Ori, thank you for inviting me. LA Intergroup, you set the standard. Uh, We are learning from you in Chicago. And I think, you know, yes, we could poo-poo Zoom, but I have to say, um, Zoom saved my life this last year. What? Uh, Never thought that that would be possible, but Zoom saved my life. Um, How you may ask? Well, I got abstinent in the pandemic. (laughs) So uh, I have, um, just to qualify briefly, and I'll share some photos as well. uh, I have just over a year, year and a couple months of entire abstinence. um, And I am, regularly astounded at when I look at photos from a year ago or two years ago, 
I'm not so much looking at like how I looked and I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I remember how I felt in photos. And I remember people would be like, do you want to see it? And I'm like, no. Or I would be like, just from the waist up. Or I'd be like, how about I hit like the, the good angle, you know, like the side that, and it, you can just hear it. Like there's so much self-centeredness in that, right? So it's a little um, sort of interesting to be able to share photos now and have, you know, still a recovering image of myself. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not fully there yet, um, but, I, I aspire to have freedom from self-centeredness <laughs> every day. So um, this is uh, sort of, I got, I got abstinent in 2014, the first time. So you can see the photo all the way to the right. Uh, the photos to the left, you know, um, kind of what I, I think I see when I look at them is, is someone who really tried to be cheerful and accommodating and uh, give you what you want so you wouldn't leave me. Um, and two of my biggest fears in life are the fear of being forgotten and the fear of being alone. And I can tell you that because of this program, because of this way of living, because of my spiritual independence, I now trust that I'm gonna leave the world a better place and I am at peace with being alone. So I've been married um, and I was married to a wonderful man. Uh, we were together for 16 years um, and I've made amends to him a number of times um, and I'm very grateful to him. Um, but part of my story is, you know, it doesn't end with the photo on the right. Uh, this is the year before I got abstinent. So this was 2019, 2020. Um, you can't dress up depression and anxiety and despair. So when I look at these photos, I remember the night before that photo on the left, I barely slept. I was beside myself with anxiety. I was on medication for that anxiety. Um, I had a hard time showing up. How I did it, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea because I was truly running on Emily Fuel. And, and that is that is not liberation fuel. <laughs> that is that is fuel with limitations, that fuel that runs out quickly. Um, so the tank was always on E, frankly. And then, uh, you know, look, I stood at the turning point. It was April 20th, 2020. And I was in my apartment. I had just broken up with my boyfriend at the time. And I, I was facing my greatest fear, um, the fear of being alone. And there I was alone. And I had two options. One was to, because I'd been in a way to come back, to come back to the, to the family. And the other was to go completely insane. And I felt like both of those were available to me at my turning point. And I called a, a fellow on the Zoom right now, and I said, I need help. And he referred me to a couple women in LA. And I was like, you can't have a sponsor in another city. You know, lots of old ideas. And, um, and then it happened. Uh, I met my sponsor and we got to work. And um, so the way to spiritual liberation for me is pretty easy uh, or simple. Sorry, it's not easy, but it's the big book. It's the big book and a sponsor and it's doing it every day. 
And that's what has given me um, this vessel by which to be of service and to do God's work um, and to get out of myself. I'm so grateful for the body that got me through the last year healthy. I'm so grateful for um, the peace of mind that I have access to every day. Sometimes it's harder to find than others, but I get there. And, you know, this photo on the right, I just want to say, like, look, you want to talk about a miracle that I would A, be in a skirt that short, B, play tennis, okay? I showed up to my first tennis lesson. I suck, by the way. This is not like, um, I'm not a pro. I haven't been playing my whole life. I suck at tennis. And I decided to take tennis lessons because I wanted to have fun like fun in my body. I wanted to play. You want to talk about liberation, spiritual liberation. It is getting on the tennis court and like flailing about. And I'm like, well, I guess you're going to start somewhere um, and not beating myself up. And by the way, showing up to the lesson to be humbled. Right. And to me, that's what this is all about. Uh, spiritual liberation for me comes from God disciplining me. I had no way of living before other than to react to you and to hold you hostage, to keep you close so I could feel safe and protected. And I did that with my husband. I've done it in relationships in the past, but also with clients in my business, you know, with friends. Um, there was never the thought of showing up and saying, and I love what Eric said earlier about you know, showing up and having the focus of our meditation be the person across from me versus like, how do I look? What am I wearing? Is there enough bread on the table to feed both of us? So letting go of all of that, the liberation and, and for the newcomer who's listening, you know, this liberation comes over time. You know, my experience is like, first I had to put down my alcoholic substances, no questions asked. And then I started to feel and I started to feel, by the way, everything. And then as I was going through the first few steps, I started to realize that I didn't have to feel any of that alone. The despair, the celebration, the excitement, all of it, I was walking through it with my sponsor. And my sponsor would say one of two things. And I sort of, I hear God through her all the time. When I would be like, why am I not feeling serene? What's going on? Uh, she said to me, and God says to me, what's the rush? Why are you in such a hurry? You know, I got you. Follow the steps, one foot in front of the other. The other thing that I would hear her say, and God asks me, because God is pretty plain when it comes to how we talk to each other. Like, who says? Who says that's the way to do it? Who says you can't do that? Who says you should do that, right? Because I was the judge and jury before. And I can't tell you how good it feels to have all of your faces on the screen that are, are reflections of me who can hold up a mirror and say, Emily, easy does it, girl. Like, how about you just keep doing what you're doing? And for me, what I'm doing is working the big book. Simple steps. Simple steps. It couldn't get more simple. I know so many people I love and admire in this meeting talk about, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty dense. So I like that it's just really spelled out. It really doesn't get more complicated. 
if you're wondering like why I haven't gotten it yet, go to the big book, get a sponsor, work the steps. That's all I did. That's all I did. Part of me feels like, you know, when I have these emotional, I still feel all the emotions, right? Um, but when I have emotional unrest, restless, irritable, discontent, sort of feel a little jiggy, as my sponsor says, you know, I now realize that that is like equilibrium. I am not guaranteed happiness, joyous, and freeness 24 seven. That would be, that would be, I don't even know who, I don't even know how that would be possible, but that's what I thought was my prescription. So I realize now when I have those emotions, I love to think of it like this. And I hope this helps you. you Five more minutes. Thanks, Kelly. I like to think of, you know, anything other than like happy and excited and sort of up here is like going to school. When I feel, you know, anxious, depressed, restless, frustrated, irritated, that's when God's using me the most. When I feel those things, it's like, all right, you got a disturbance. Cool, cool. So let's slow it down. It's always about pace for me. Always. I want to move fast, move through it, everything fast. I want more and I want it faster. Slow down. This is meditation. Be with it. And then there's things I can do if I hold it loosely, not like this, right? Like, oh, be with it. I'm choking it, you know? I want it gone. If I loosen up and let God in, it's amazing to me. Like, it dissolves. Or I can use any of the tools to help move it along. So I can use prayer. I can use meditation. Those tools are part of my liberation. I especially use service. And so for me, what helps me move through it is not to rush it and not to avoid it, but instead to sort of be with it and then turn to someone I can help. Because there is nothing like the magic of this program. My number's in my little box. You can call me anytime to reach out and just say, hey, how are you? And, and I joke, there's some people in the Zoom today, too, who like, I, I'm literally like, no, you, I, I'm calling you to see how you are. You can't ask me how I am. I need to hear you because I'm cray cray. Um, I say that lovingly, by the way. So for me, the getting to a place where, you know, it took me some time. All of this takes time. And I know that it's like we want it now because we've been in so much pain. Um, and I think when, when I, when my sponsees call me and they're like, what should I do? I'm not there yet. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting it. It's like, keep going, keep going, keep working the steps and making calls and going to class, right? Because then you get to go to recess and really enjoy yourself really enjoy. Like I was saying to a friend this morning, I'm like, I get the privilege of being of service today, of trying to be helpful, of telling my story, of, of, you know, hopefully sharing a little bit about like what my spiritual independence has taught me about love and trust. I've never felt more loved in these rooms. I really thought love was taking a hostage and keeping you close and no matter what until death do us part and all of these things. And maybe it is for you and that's okay. But I'm learning that love is loose. Love is roomy, this broad highway. 
That means all of us coming with all of our different experiences. If we just, how does it work that if we just do these steps, we get the same thing, we get freedom. Um, so things really took off for me when I started to be of service. And so if there's anything that I leave you with today, get into the middle of the herd, make a call, choose courage over comfort, choose it. God's got you make the call, take the step. I feel it all the time. Like I feel afraid and I do it anyway. And sometimes I don't do it, but then I eventually do it. Like it's a winding road, right? But choosing courage over comfort for me is, is, is what this is all about. That is independence. Comfort is not independence. Courage allows me to show up and be a part of something that is truly, truly beyond my wildest dreams. And the last thing I'll say is turning points. My turning point was April 20th, 2020. I've had many since then. Turning points can come anytime, guys. So get ready because it could be today for you. I don't know what your turning point is, but here's what I do know. Stay ready. Like get spiritually fit, work the steps, get a sponsor, stay ready. So you don't have to get ready for what life's going to bring your way. You don't have to like marshal the resources. It's a lose, it was a losing battle for me, but you're ready. You can do anything with these steps and with this fellowship. And I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for letting me be of service today. Thank you, Emily. You know, you had me when you opened up by saying that you found abstinence in the pandemic. Like that's a powerful example that this, this program can be transmitted through digitally, you know, face-to-face, -face, whatever it is. You know, and, you know, when you talked about remembering how you felt in photos, like I'm sure everyone like that resonated with so many people. That was like a, a, a heart punch because we know what that is. You know, you talked about the fear of being forgotten and the fear of being alone. You know, I, I've suffered from that, too. And it is liberation to have the volume on that fear turned down. And I can see I can see you opening up. I can see you playing in life. You know, the willingness to do something, do an activity that you're not good at, but you just wanted to have fun. That's a liberation. You know, you talked about keeping, keep going to class and enjoy the recesses, right? You talked about courage over comfort. What a powerful lesson, because it's not always comfortable. And life is going to get jiggy, as you say, and your sponsor says. And for those who don't know, what jiggy means is the buildup of every, the, the everyday buildup of human emotions. When life isn't, is not pristine, how do we continue to have faith? What a powerful example. And stay ready. Stay ready for the turning points. You know, in one of my favorite rap songs, it says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Oh, my God. That's such a profound message. And I love you, Emily. Thank you so much for coming out and sharing your experience, Strengthen with Hope. And, you know, liberation does occur after over a period of time. You know, that's the spiritual experience. And I see it happening for you. You embody that. So thank you very much. And our last speaker, our closer, is my boy, Ken S. And you will love Ken S because I love him too. Go ahead, Ken. It's on you, brother. How do you want your time? Um, oh, my goodness. I get a half hour, right? No, <laughs> uh, I'll take 15, I'll take five, five, and give me a two minute to wrap it up because I can talk about myself an awful lot for an awful long time. 
Um, I am Ken. I am a grateful compulsive overeater. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't kick this off with just a little gratitude. I'm going to start with a little gratitude for the man in the white glasses, Mr. Ulrich. Thank you for inviting me and for having the faith and confidence that I can pull this off this morning. I got to tell you, I got a little bit of legitimate fear sitting listening to the other three speakers going, oh my God, if this were a Broadway show and I'm the closer, this one could close out of town with what I'm about to talk about because these speakers were so powerful, right? So I just sat here praying, God, please help me tell my truth and let me tell it well enough um, and good enough. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And, you know, I have to express a second piece of gratitude to the LA Intergroup, um, not just for today, for this session today, but uh, in my secret life of service, I chair the South Bay Intergroup, which is just down the freeway from LA. And I just have to say out loud what a good friend we have in the LA Intergroup, not just for this today, but in good times and in, in different times, the pandemic, you've always been there to support us. Um, just one item I'll call out out loud is the fact that during the pandemic, you voluntarily offered to pay for Zoom so that we could keep our meetings afloat and it just keeps getting better, better. That's what this fellowship is all about. You know, it, it kind of probably ties us into working backwards, unconditional love, the unconditional love that we get from this program, right? And I will tell you, if you've heard me tell my story, and if you haven't, you'll hear it for the first time today, I get more unconditional love from all of you in this room than I got from my own family. Growing up and in, in the weight journey, there was always a stick and there was always a carrot and something dangled before me. That doesn't happen here. Let me go back to the beginning. Um, first of all, let me qualify. So uh, my abstinence date, I'm an April boy myself, April the 13th, 2015. Um, it wasn't so easy though. And I've given away, I'm going to say it was originally 28 pounds. I'm going to just be honest with the pandemic. It's 20-ish. I'm going to see my doctor um, in two weeks for the first time since the pandemic. And so I'm certain we're going to have a conversation about that. More to follow film at 11. I am just grateful uh, to uh, have kept over 20 off over the pandemic, hearing and seeing uh, many of my friends who are suffering differently. Um, it took me 19 years to walk through the door. So you want to talk about restless, irritable, discontent, and, and stubborn. And this was 19 years on the advice of a therapist. Um, I was sitting here thinking about spirituality and what got me to the doors that night on a Thursday night to the step study that I still go today God broke me down. Um, I thought I was the king of the world. Um, I worked for, uh, just uh, doesn't matter. I, I retired also in December. Uh, that's part of my story as well. 37 years with a small company called AT&T. And um, at that time, yeah, they're big now that I left, right? They got big after I left. They were small when I was there. And um, I thought I was a superpower, man. At the time before I walked through the doors for seven years, I had a high performing team. We traveled around the world. I flew out of Long Beach every week, somewhere different. I was getting mile points. I was getting hotel points. I was getting accolades from leadership because we were making a difference. I thought I was God, right? Now, I would board that airplane on a Friday, or sorry, on a Sunday or a Monday, head east, come home on a Thursday or a Friday, and on Saturday morning, I would find myself in my local Vaughn supermarket finding my binge foods, my favorite binge foods. I talked to my sponsor about this often. 
Um, there's a quarter of the bonds. I don't go to those bonds anymore, by the way. Um, not because um, I have any fear of it. It's just I shop differently. But in the corner was the bakery section. And every Saturday when I was doing my groceries, I pick up my quarter of a sheet cake. And that was my weekend binge with the lights off and the phone not answered, et cetera. So this was all, and before that, a lifetime of dieting. I came into this program, by the way, um, you would call it a retread or relapse. I actually lost over 100 pounds before walking through the doors. And when I walked through the doors, um, I would say it was a, a, a relapse. Um, anyway, my lifetime before walking through the doors, before um, 2015, I was a fat kid. Um, I realized, uh, uh, actually I started to become fat about age eight. And prior to that, I was skinny. And when my parents' marriage started to break up and the attention got focused to my younger brother who was born with a disability, I found sugar and lying as my resolve. They, they were my and higher power. first five minutes. Is that five already? Yes. Yeah, I told you I could talk a lot. Okay, anyway. Um, I'll just talk about really quick my childhood diets. My mother was never admitted. I would say that she would qualify for our program. Um, a lifetime of dieting with drugs and it, legal drugs, um, going to a diet doctor, getting HCG. I was put on diet pills. That's what we did in the 60s. Um, take diet pills to lose weight, speed, um, every diet ever invented in the National Enquirer. As a teenager, overweight teenager, I'd have done anything for you to accept me. And in adulthood, as I started to mention earlier, um, the disease took me down the path of my opinions mattered most, I run the world, and um, the wreckage and the damage that I did personally, within my family, professionally, in the workplace is significant. Um, I hid in that rage, I hid in that anger from you out of fear, out of fear. When I walked through the doors, I just had this revelation this morning. I honestly believe it was God telling me it was time to stop, to stop running, to stop hiding, and to stop living in your fear, and to sit down, shut up, and learn how to recover. So I walked through the doors. Um, down here, uh, we had a welcome packet back then. This was actually July of 2014, not April. So there's a gap there. I took that welcome packet home, 18 brochures. I was gonna read every single one of them because I'm gonna give you 110%, not 95 if I'm going to do this. And I kept coming back and listening and learning. And finally, an old timer kicked my butt and said, if you can take this program serious, get a sponsor. I got a sponsor. My first sponsor fired me because I didn't do what I needed to do. And that was, I didn't work the steps. Anyway, I worked the steps slowly, too slow for, for their comfort. Um, I'm gonna fast forward because I, I kind of want to get to talk about spirituality. So I worked the steps. Um, she fired me in April of 2015. I found myself at a hundred pounder down in Irvine. Um, I, two miracles happened that night. There was a guy that tried to date me 30 years ago from the gay and lesbian synagogue. He was the speaker that night and he was leaving California. So how do we connect after 30 years? And that night I met my sponsor and I became abstinent the following day. The first man to take me through the steps. And what an experience that was. It was 
Yeah, I realized then, and I, I appreciate this more and more every day, I came to this program with a God of my own understanding. I knew that eight days after birth as a Jewish boy, um, what that meant, right? Um, I knew how to buy matzah for Passover, to fast on Yom Kippur, how to show up in synagogue, but what I didn't have was spirituality. And I really believe that this program, what I've discovered is I was stuffing food down my throat as a substitute for spirituality. And I'm really grateful to this program, to the steps, the tools, and to all of you for teaching me what that spirituality is all about. And I'm not masterful at it by any means. At best, I'm the smartest person in summer school today. It's been five years, six years, sorry. Um, but I learn new things every day by coming back, working the steps, working with a sponsor, going to meetings, being of service. Um, and I just a, a little bit on 10 and 11, making amends, coming clean, um, doing the right thing. All of these things lead me to where I am today. What I do today that I didn't do before April the 13th, 2015, I have a prayer book by my bed. When I open my eyes, there's a prayer in my faith that I ask my higher power that I call God, thank you for restoring my soul. I pray for at least, well, Monday through Friday, it's about 10, 12 minutes. On Saturday, it's a little bit longer. Um, and Sunday, I should say Sunday through Friday. Um, prayers of my faith, prayers of this program. I remember going through the steps the first time and when I finished step three, and covered the third step prayer with my sponsor, I went home and sat with the big book on my bed for three hours and memorized that thing because I thought it was the most beautiful prayer I had ever heard outside of my faith in my life. And I embraced the third step prayer to this day. Is one, it's one of my go-to because, because I am a work in progress. I am not and perfect. And that's 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes? Great. Um, so, you know, I think, I think just, uh, I, I kind of want to uh, summarize here because I know my time will go short. Um, what is it like today? So today I go to three to four meetings, I believe heavily in service. Um, I have service commitments. They take me outside of my head and into my open, they allow me to open up my heart um, to others. I keep a kosher home because of this program. I pray daily because of this program. Um, I am active in my community, in this community, this tribe, as well as my own tribe as a result of this program. Um, I would say that I couldn't see the miracles before because I was so blind. And by the way, I neglected to mention abstinence day 2015. Another sidebar story, you can call me or text me. I'm happy to tell you I haven't I've been resolved and relieved of the obsession of recreational sugar since March the 1st of 2017. And that is God doing for me what I wouldn't do for myself because I loved my sugar. And I walked away on March the 1st and haven't turned back. That is, that's not odd, that's God. And I believe that opened the door to me to be able to feel my feelings and to feel more spiritual because you can't be spiritual. You can't have experiences if your head is so far in the sugar that you are numb as you would be if the doctor or dentist had shot you up with Novocaine. That's the kind of numbness I experienced. Um, a couple of miracles that I experienced, you, I, probably the biggest one 
I'm a retiree also. I knew a year before that I should make the decision, but it was in God's time. And I was very good with that, um, that in the year of 2020, um, I finally made a decision on December 5th to uh, take a look at retirement and gave my notice to my employer on December 17th and walked away on December 31st uh, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. How do I know that it was God's will and a spiritual thing? I didn't fight it. I didn't argue it. I didn't question it. And Lord, was I good with it. I could not have done that with all of you without the 12 steps, the nine tools, and without um, the higher power that I call God. That to me is nothing short of miraculous. The second big thing is last week, I went to the cemetery with my brother, my older brother, and we visited. This is the first time I believe we've been together in the cemetery since my mother passed in 2004. It was that kind of wreckage and damage that I have repaired as a result of working the steps. We actually had lunch one together, one minute, um, and took care of business. I could not have done that without this program. I am eternally grateful. Um, like I said, my number's in the chat on my screen there. If you'd like to know more, I am available to sponsor and I most definitely welcome your outreach calls and your texts. All right, thanks again for inviting me. I'll just close here at the risk of babbling like a bad brook on July the 4th. Thank you. <laughs> you brought it home, brother. You did a great job. I Thank love you. how you led off with the power of the fellowship and how you found unconditional love and support. You know, that's a powerful lesson. We talk about the steps and then this the work in the steps is critical, but you know, the, the, the power of the fellowship and the support that we find as we go through that process is, is, is invaluable. And, you know, getting away from the stick and the carrot, that reminds me of no access to grind, no lectures to endure, no fees to, no fees to pay. I love that, 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 that analogy, like getting away from the stick and the carrot. And then you talked about being stripped of our finery, the superiority and God humbling you. And I could feel that moment for you because I've been there too. When, when life just humbles you and you, you get right-sized and you see what you are and lights off, sheet cake, phone off. You know, we've all been there. The, the blinds are drawn. You know, we got our thing. You know, now you're free from that. And the most beautiful thing that I that I loved what you said was the soul restoration. Oh, man. And just the way God restored your soul. I've never heard it put like that. And as a result of that soul restoration that that bled out into your relationships with your family, where those relationships were, you know, uh, re-energized and, 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 and restored there. Ken, thank you so much for sharing your experience, brother. Let's give all our speakers. Uh, and just throw the jazz hands, do the, the fun fingers, whatever you got to do. Let's give them, let's give them that love. Thank you for being a service.